Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Same old story. Matthew chapter 28 is the same old story. Someone once said, it's actually the greatest story ever told. You know, it's very interesting how you can read a novel, John Grisham, Oprah. (laughs) She's the best at everything. You read these books and, 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 you know, you about read them one time and that's about it. You read it, it's done, done deal. You know, the Bible's not like that. You can read the Bible over and over and over and over and hear the same story over and over and over and over and you get something different every single time you read it. Okay, in the future, this means, can I get a witness? All right, okay. Over and over and over to get something out of it. Amen. And here we come to Matthew chapter 28. We have the same old story with the same ending, but a wonderful story. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Matthew chapter 28 is the grand finale, if you will, of all of the gospel of Matthew. It's kind of like the fireworks show. It's it's almost like, you know, like a shout of victory. As you read the chapter, you kind of hear the shout of victory for Jesus and, and for every believer. You know, someone gave a very simple definition. Got a pen? Got a pad? Someone gave a very simple definition or meaning of the resurrection. They said it it means this. God has the last word. The resurrection means God has the last word. Now, there are two very important things that you need to understand as believers concerning the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Christ. Two very important things. Number one, the death of Jesus Christ... All of Christianity rests on it. The death of Jesus Christ and all of our Christian faith. I mean, think about this. The reason we, uh, who we are, what we are, what we believe, how we believe, our understanding of doctrine and all of these things rest on not only Jesus' death, but also his resurrection. Had you all ever thought about this, and it just kind of occurred to me, that, that our faith really crumbles and falls on whether the tomb is truly empty. You mean to tell me that the Christian faith rests on a big piece of rock? That's exactly right. The Christian faith rises or falls based on whether the tomb is empty. Therefore, Christianity rests on two things, the death of Jesus and the resurrection, and both are equally important, and both are essential to be saved. You need to understand that if you do not believe in the death of Jesus Christ and that his blood saved men from their sins, 
If you do not believe that Jesus physically and bodily rose from the grave, you cannot be saved. That's a pretty bold statement. You cannot be saved. The resurrection, you see, this is how it works. The resurrection without the atoning death of Jesus would be powerless. And the atoning death without the resurrection would be pointless. So you must believe in them both. You must understand them both. And you must put your faith in both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, all throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we have believers throughout all of time who have looked forward to the resurrection. If you're taking notes, let me give you a series of verses that you will look up in your own time. But it's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, and it tells us when Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he believed that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. David, the psalmist in Psalm 49, verse 15, says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Again, David said in Psalm 73, verse 24, You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, and some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And one of the oldest books in the Bible, Job chapter 19, verse 25, I'm confident you're familiar with this verse, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, then I know that in my flesh I shall see God. Over and over and over, that's a thumbnail sketch of verses and teachings from the Old Testament of the fact that they believed and looked forward to the resurrection. If you fast forward to the New Testament, the disciples and the early church constantly preached the resurrection. Peter in his first awesome sermon where 3,000 people got saved in Acts chapter 2, he wrote this, in him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands. Peter said, you have crucified and put to death whom God raised up. The resurrection. Over and over and over, Paul the apostle preached about the resurrection. As a matter of fact, he wrote a whole chapter about it. It's called the resurrection chapter. You know that. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 the resurrection chapter of the Bible. When John was exiled on the island of Patmos, you remember? Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, it says, And I am he, Jesus says, who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forever. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the apostles and Peter and Paul and thousands of poets and preachers and teachers and hymn writers and Spurgeon and Moody and Graham and Smith, all of these men throughout all of time, the quarters of time and eternity, have gone about preaching the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we should preach the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because if Christ be not risen, Paul said, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Everything rests on this fact of the resurrection. 
And if you don't believe in the resurrection, then you can't be saved. Because if the resurrection is not true, then our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. Matthew chapter 28, we come to this same old story, the greatest story ever told. Let me turn in my Bible. The greatest story ever told. Matthew chapter 28, we're talking about the resurrection. We're talking about he is risen. Beginning in verse 1, saints, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. Notice there was an earthquake. Why? Because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back, underline that, rolled back the stone from the door. And he sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning. And his clothing was as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel in verse 5 answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, or said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. In verse 6, would you read it with me? He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And they went on to say, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. And there you'll see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to his disciples in verse 9, behold, Jesus met with them saying, Rejoice! And so they came and beheld, and they held him by his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see him. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about this. Jesus died on the cross, and he was buried, and he was sealed in the tomb. And the Roman guards were set as a watch at the mouth of the tomb. And think about that. The Roman guards were in place at the tomb to guard a dead body. Does that not strike y'all as a little odd? Well, what you doing? Well, we're guarding this dead guy. Make sure he doesn't get up. I mean, this is crazy. So... After the Sabbath, you want to notice in verse 1, after the Sabbath, which it's early Sunday morning. By the way, that's why we come to church on Sunday. Because of this verse, after the Sabbath, it's early Sunday morning. It's the first day of the week. While it is still dark, Mary Magdalene. Now that Mary is the Mary who Jesus cast seven demons out of. Remember her? That woman had seven demons and Jesus met her and he cast those seven demons out of her. And don't you know, wouldn't you guess, it would be Mary who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. And it's the same Mary Magdalene early in the morning who is up at the tomb looking for Jesus. Why? You know, it works like this. To whom much is forgiven, to whom those who are forgiven much, they love much. You know, Mary is a picture-perfect example of people who knew that they had been forgiven much, and now they love much. You know, the people that really love the Lord and the people who really serve God and the people that are near Him always and close to Him, I bet you if you talk to them, they've been forgiven much. Mary's like that. She's been delivered of seven demons, and here she is, 
early in the morning with the other Mary, they came to the tomb. Now, it's interesting because these women, as I said, they were, look at verse 56 of chapter 27. You can see that these women were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 tells us that they were headed to the tomb and they brought a hundred pounds of spices with them. Now, keep in mind, the Sabbath begins at 6 p.m. on Friday. The Sabbath begins at 6 p.m. on Friday. So when Jesus died, they had to hurry and get him off the cross before the Sabbath ended, before it began, before the beginning of the Sabbath. So they had to rush. I mean, Jesus is up on the cross, and they had to rush pretty quickly. Remember, he died around 3 p.m. So they only had three hours to go up there, put a ladder up, get Jesus down from the cross, embalm his body, prepare his body, and then put him in the tomb all before the Sabbath begins. So apparently this this embalming process and the preparation of Jesus' body had not been complete yet. And so early in the morning after the Sabbath, they were taking spices down to the tomb to finish the job, to finish anointing Jesus, to finish preparing his body. And Mark chapter 16 tells us that as they made their way to the tomb, they were wondering who was going to roll the stone away. So they're walking. And they're going to be with Jesus, and they're going to prepare his body. And one of the ladies says to one of the other ladies, Hey, I wonder who's going to roll that big, giant, huge, humongous stone away. You see, I would think that that was a reasonable concern. I mean, this stone was weighed about two and a half tons. It was eight feet high and 12 inches thick. So they're thinking, when we get there, who's going to roll the stone away? That stone that seemed so formidable and immovable. And heavy. When they arrived, did you notice? The stone had already been rolled away. In other words, they worried about something that had already been handled. Listen, you're worrying about something that God's already taken care of. I heard a song last week on the radio, and it said, Why are you trying to figure it out? The Lord's already worked it out. Isn't that true? And you know, we worry about stuff that God's already taken care of. And you know what happens when you worry like that and God's already taken care of it? You just start to look old. (laughs) It's true, you're just worrying yourself silly. Biting your nails and losing weight and you're... Ain't a bad thing, actually. <laughs> but hair fall. People worry. You know, these psychologists or these people, I don't know who they are, and they obviously have no life, but they, 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 they do this statistics thing, and it's like, who are these people anyway? Where are they hiding? And, and they did a, st- a study, and it said like 75% of the things that people worry about never come to pass. And for the believer, worrying is a sin, We're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be people who are full of fear. We're supposed to be people who are full of faith. Full of what, saints? Faith. Believe in God. Trust in God. Why are you trying to figure it out? The Lord's already worked it out. You don't have to try to figure it out. Let God take care of it. Let God take care of it. Let God take care of it. 
Because you're going to mess it up anyway. <laughs> Amen. Let God take care of it. Here are these women. I wonder who's going to roll the stone away. Oh, man, when we get there, you know, we got a job to do, but, you know, somebody's got to roll that stone. Man, what about that stone? Man, who, what are we going to do about that stone? You know what, ladies? We got to talk about something. What about that stone? How are we going to get that stone rolled away? And when they got there, the stone had already been rolled away. Now, why was the stone rolled away? Was it so that Jesus could get out? No. I mean, you understand that Jesus wasn't in the tomb saying, Hey! (laughs) Fellas, can somebody help me get out? I want to get out of here! You understand that. You see, the the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away, watch this, so that the ladies could look in. The stone was rolled away not because not only that the ladies might look in, but that all men through all time might look in. We're headed to Israel. I've been many times now, and I've had the opportunity to go to that new tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And it's nice. It's beautiful. I love being there at the garden tomb. And it's big, and it's got like four little carved out, little, you know, carved out cement places where you can lay a body. And every year we always go to the, to the tomb and we always have worship at the tomb and we always take communion at the tomb and we always go in to the tomb. Now, I'm not going in to check to see if he's there or not. <laughs> you understand? Because he's not there. And every time we go and thousands and thousands and thousands and might I add millions of believers and pilgrims have traveled to Israel for years on end, and every time we go, and every time they go, we look in the tomb, and no one has ever seen a body there. Why? Because he is risen. Because he's not there. Because he rose again from the grave. He lives. You see, he lives. And so he's not there. The stone was rolled away that we might look in that we might be able to see that he is risen. Well, just as the women arrive at the tomb, did you notice there was a great earthquake? Notice the text again in your Bibles. I want you to look at it. Notice the text. There was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. In other words, get this, give me your attention. When the angel came down from heaven and hit the earth, there was an earthquake. There was a rumbling. I mean, that's one pretty bad dude. Look, when you showed up, there was no earthquake, okay? When the angel came down, there was an earthquake. There was a rumbling. And the angel, he's just kind of cool. He sat on the stone. He's just sitting there in all of his glory, bright, shiny, glistening, coming from his, from his white robe. And the women show up, and he says, hey, he's not here. He's risen just as he said. Man, you got to love this angel. I mean, he's just kind of cool. He's just sitting there just kind of chilling. Ladies show up, yeah. He ain't here. How you like me now? (laughs) I love it. And so he comes to the earth and and an earthquake hits. So last time I was out in Southern California, last time I wasn't in the pulpit, I was out in Southern California, as many of you know, and I was speaking at... uh, at uh, a Calvary Chapel on a Sunday morning. 
And, 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 and the most amazing thing happened, I will never, ever forget this. I, I, I'm, I'm being escorted from, 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 my, from my office where they, where they have me, and uh, they, they're bringing me into the sanctuary, and the people are all standing. And I heard uh, the music, I heard the worship, and it was Terry Clark singing. Raise your hand if you know who Terry Clark is. Okay, that's 10 of us. That's good. Okay. And, 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 and so Terry Clark is an awesome guy. You know that song that we sing? Let's worship Slay our lives down at his feet. You know that song that we sing? Well, Terry Clark wrote that song. He is awesome. As a matter of fact, he's going to be here on a Sunday morning. You are going to be blessed. I can't give you the date because I don't know it yet. But, 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 but it's soon. It's soon. I know it's soon, like within a month or something. But, but it's awesome, awesome. He's awesome. So I hear him singing. He's like one of my favorite artists, actually. And, 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 and Christian artist. And, and so I walk in and I hear Terry Clark singing. The people are standing. I couldn't really see because it's a fairly large church. And there were a lot of people there. And I thought they were playing a CD for worship. I'm like, ooh, somebody messed up. They forgot to get worship for this morning. And I get up front and I see Terry Clark and his wife, Nancy Clark. And they're up there singing. They're wor- leading worship. And I thought, this is going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. I just was excited. So I'm sitting right up front. It's my turn to speak. And they, they introduce me and I come up and, and, and I speak. And I'm, I'm talking about dealing with doubt. That was my sermon topic. I'm talking about dealing with doubt. And, and, and I, was, I was given a, an example of, you know, how God reveals himself. When we are in that place of doubt, that's oftentimes where God will reveal himself. And I start talking about Moses. Y'all know that sermon. I preached it here already. And, and, and <laughs> if you don't get the secret. Matthew 11, 1 through 6. And, and so I'm talking about dealing with doubt. God reveals himself in the place of doubt. And Moses, God revealed himself. And then I got to Hagar. And I said, in Hagar, God revealed himself to Hagar. And as soon as I said that, the people in the audience, right about here to my left, the people, start, I, start, I heard a chatter. I heard a, like people, they were talking like kind of amongst themselves. You know, and I thought, man, they're really enjoying me. I, I thought, man, this is going well. I'm doing really good. They're really into it, you know. And so I, 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 I just, I, they kept doing it. And I kept, I looked, I said, what? You know. <laughs> and they said, like, uh, uh, like, uh, like in unison, you know, almost in harmony, earthquake. <laughs> and I said, what? Is it earthquake? I said, well, um, I stepped back in the pulpit. I said, well, um, you know, earthquake. Okay, okay. <laughs> And, and they had the church, it was a, it's a beautiful church, they had a glass, they had glass wall in the back. So I'm stepping back like this here, earthquake, 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 earthquake. And they said, step away from the windows. I was like, earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. And then I walk out in the audience, my wife was sitting right there about where Troy is, and I walked by and I said, come on honey, let's go back to North Carolina. It's time to go home. Earthquake, earthquake. Well, then I get in the pulpit. Now, I am just amazed because I didn't sense an earthquake. I'm up on the pulpit, maybe, and maybe I just didn't feel the rumbling up here. But they obviously did. Everybody in the congregation did right at that moment. And so I'm amazed when I got back in the pulpit and I said to the people, I said, man, you guys must be like animals. Because animals know when an earthquake's coming before it happens. Because, y'all, you really are sheep. You know what I mean? I was... I was weirding out, man. I was like, whoa. And now even at that church is a funny thing because even now at that church, I kind of go down in history now as, as the pastor who brought the earth-shaking sermon. I'm like, 
I'm liking it a lot. But this angel, he comes down and he, and he hits the earth and there is an earthquake. Well, the earthquake when the angel appeared, but the earth isn't the only thing that shook. Look at verse four in your Bibles. The rough and the tough Roman troops were afraid. Did you see that? They shook for fear and they became like dead men. Now, in the Greek language, that means they fainted and passed out like girly men. <laughs> it's in the Greek. I mean, they, the earth shook and they, they were like, oh. you know, you, you know, you faint when you go, oh, you know, oh. you know, these are, you know, and so the angel, the angel said to the women, they said, don't be afraid. And now interesting that the Roman soldier, he didn't tell them don't be afraid. He said that to the women. He said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He is risen as he said. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.